Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode number two of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles here. Thanks for joining us as always. It is much appreciated. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is sponsored by BetUS. Support Boston Sports Journal by calling 1-800-79-BETUS and get set up today. Be sure to tell them Boston Sports Journal sent you. And Greg, man, since the last time we spoke, a lot of news happening. Let's start with Muhammad Sanu on this very podcast. Our first episode, you had said, Keep an eye on Sanu. He might be gone because of the money. Well, now we look up and he's gone, Greg. Yeah, Nick, I, I just think that it's sort of along the lines that we talked about. And in, in the first episode, we talked about like, you know, he's, he's making six and a half million dollars this year. And really, what are you getting for that six million dollars extra that you that you that you wouldn't be getting from Jacoby Myers or a Devin Ross or a Gunnar Olszewski, uh, who are other options for sort of uh, the bottom of the receivers. And when you look at it, you know Nikhil Harry obviously is going to be on the team. Julian Edelman is obviously going to be on the team. Yeah. Now, if you're saying Mohamed Sanu is your number three receiver, all of a sudden, look how slow they are. I mean, they, I mean, it could be the slowest receiving core in the history of the league. Um, so he wasn't going to be one of your top three receivers. You were going to have to put somebody else with speed out there along with that group. And considering this team's going to play a lot with multiple tight ends and fullbacks and things like that, that could happen. So it's, it's like, so, so what are we doing here? And I think that the, the I think the Belichick made the right choice uh, in terms of, not compounding his error of sending a second round pick, uh, which actually ended up going to the Ravens uh, when all was said and done and will help them uh, compete against you this year. Um, and paying the six and a half million on top of that, that just would have been, it just would have been dumb. And I'm glad that Bill made that choice. Um, I don't think the team is substantially hurt without having Sanu on the team. I think it helps along the lines of making them faster going into this year, which they need to do across the board. And I, I, I think it was a no-brainer. I mean, you look at this trade, to go back to that in a second, before we continue the discussion about the wide receivers now currently and what this team has on its roster, this was a major whiff, to put it nicely. Belichick, I think this is one of the worst trades he's ever made as the head honcho in New England giving up the second round pick for a guy who played eight or nine games. And Greg, when they made that trade last year, a lot of the justification as far as what they paid to bring Sanu in 
was because he had that extra year on his contract versus Emmanuel Sanders. Well, now that doesn't matter. You gave up the second round pick and you did not get that extra year from Sanu. Yeah, I went back and I listened to, I think I was on Felger and Maz the day that the trade went down. And I, I, I went back and I looked at what I wrote, but also what I said on the show. And I did, I thought it was an overpay at the time because some of the people justified it by saying, well, it's the, and, and I do think the second year was part of the equation for Belichick and why he didn't yeah. go for Emmanuel Sanders. And I right. get that, and, you know, but some of the justification from, Patriots fans was okay well he's got the two years plus you're going to get a compact a compact for him and and I argued against that at the time saying like he's going to be 32 by the time he's a free agent after the two <laughs> years who's going to yeah. give up who's going to sign him for much of anything at that point so what kind right. of comp pick are you getting I, I do think it was a it was a major blunder uh, when you combine it with the Antonio Brown uh, decision it's just they. It was just a complete disaster at, tie, at receiver last year, and I do. I I don't think it's too much of a leap, Nick. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I don't think it's too much of a leap to say that. But between Antonio Brown and then Mohamed Sanu, the combination of neither of those things working, were sort of the last nail in the coffin for Brady leaving. I think if if Antonio Brown came here and worked out, I think that, uh, you know, and that's that's a lot of ifs because we know what kind of disaster that guy is off the field. But if that would have worked out, even if Sanu came here and helped put them over the top and all of a sudden they're in the AFC Championship game or in the Super Bowl, then maybe Brady is still here. But the, the combination of those things and plus the frustration that Brady had all training camp with, look who I'm throwing to. I mean, you know, they, they, they get rid of Demarius Thomas. You know, right. he was the one guy who, who, who actually had some skins on the wall that could do something, and then Antonio Brown failed, and then Mohamed Sanu. And I think that Brady, part of his equation at the end of the season, I do not think he was he had one foot out the door the entire time last year. And I do think that actually there was some softening before he decided to leave. But that being said, I think everything that went on last year as far as personnel just led Brady to be like, you know what? I'm sick of coming to camp every year and I got Joe slappy that I'm throwing to the defense has eight <laughs> deep on the defensive side. I can't yeah. even get a backup, you know, center to play with me. And I'm sick of bill saying me and Josh are going to get it figured out. I'm sick of figuring out. How about you give me some people to work with from the get go instead of patching it together. And I think that was the final nail in the coffin that said Brady said, that's it. I'm leaving. Yeah, I think that was part of it. Ultimately, Greg, I don't think he re-signs with New England because New England was not going to go to the two years. And everything that I read, Brady was more upset about the lack of a commitment from that team and Belichick, most yep. notably. That's why he left. So I don't think Belichick was going to give him the kind of contract that Tampa stepped up and gave him. And good for Tampa, but also good for Belichick. I don't think Belichick should have extended himself two years for a guy who's 43 years old. For as great as Brady has been, at some point, you've got to cut it off and be responsible to the organization. I think Brady was trying to get paid for what he had done versus what he was going to do. So I have no issue with Belichick saying, no, we're not going to give you the two years. And Tampa, listen, Bruce Arians, he had to do what he had to do, right? That's, a, that's an organization that hasn't won consistently. They needed somebody, and you can see it. You know, we're going to get into the Leonard Fournette stuff, but you know, that's the trickle-down effect of bringing somebody in like Brady. Nobody was dying to go to Tampa before Brady got there. One last thing about the wide receiver situation, Greg. We talked about it over text last night. 
it seems to me that the timing is not going to be great for the Patriots to try to acquire somebody from outside the organization. Maybe a Curtis Samuel. Some people think he is available. He has that link with Cam from his Carolina days. But what about the evaluating of the position and where the Patriots are at now? I mean, when you look back, Belichick's history with evaluating wide receivers, yeah, he hit on Edelman. He hit on Branch. He hit on Mitchell. Unfortunately, the knee stopped his career. He hit on evaluating Wes Welker. And you could even give him credit for David Givens. But when you look at it, most guys that he brings in to play that position, to be a one or two guy, they haven't worked out, Greg. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I don't know how much blame to give him. I mean, obviously he gets some of it. Um, it's his show. I do think part of it has to do with, um, you know, sort of the transition from college to pro. Um, you know, but some people will argue that, it's never been easier to, to identify wide receivers coming out right. of college because they throw so much now. And yeah. we saw how many wide receivers went in the draft this year, how many went in the first couple rounds. And, of course, the, the Patriots just sat out and didn't take one <laughs> in the draft. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I, if I were Belichick, and, of course, I'm not, and I don't have, you know, 18 million Super Bowl rings, and he has those for a reason. But I do think that um, – you know, I do think that Belichick's extremely smart. I think he, he constantly looks at these things. So it's not like, you know, it's not like they make these mistakes and they just, they, they don't revisit them. They revisit right. them all the yeah. time. I'm just surprised yeah. he hasn't turned that over to say Josh McDaniels and say, you know what, you pick them and I'll select them and whatever. I, I will say that some of that goes on. Sometimes Belichick doesn't, you know, he still sides with the defense and will take defense over offense. But, yep. yeah, I think it's it's been a problem. And now the team is where it is. I mean, I I, I don't – I know the, the names don't jump off the page to people, but I kind of like the group that they have. Is Do Cam you? Newton the, the right trigger man? I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, and, and by the way, for people saying, Nick, Randy Moss, come on, known commodity, Hall of Fame receiver. Brandon right. Cooks, known commodity from New Orleans. I'm talking about guys that Belichick invested in, brought in, and thought they were going to be able to do the job, and they were incapable of doing that. So you like the wide receiver group, for all intents and purposes, what they have on that roster right now. Let's move to running back, Greg, because the other part of the news that we've heard recently, Damian Harris, he has a pinky injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks. Sounds like he's definitely going to be out week one against Miami. How does that affect the backfield in New England now as they get ready with Cam back there, you know, needing help, I think, from the run game? Yeah, this is – Nick, it's going to be – this is – and they run into this every year, so they're used to it. But this, this further complicates the yeah. final 53-man <laughs> roster uh, deliberations because it's like, okay, you know, and from the people that I've talked to, they're not overly concerned about the Damian Harris injury. Um, you know, I've been told a couple weeks – so, yeah, he's probably out week one. There is still a lot of excitement about what he can do in the backfield. Um, so he is still in the plans. Uh, I, I really hope this doesn't knock him on the pup or anything like that. I, I, I would hope not. Um, but that's going to be part of the conversation. And the part of the conversation is also going to be, what do we do with Lamar Miller, who was activated off, off pup, uh, yeah, I think, Greg, since the last time we you talked. Yeah, before you move on to, to Miller, I want to ask you about that. Were you surprised? Like, I, when I saw Lamar Miller come off the pup, I was figuring, well, you know, maybe they'd bide their time with him, leave him on there, you know, open up a roster spot, and then when he was absolutely ready to take him off, I was a little surprised by the fact that they decided to, no, let's take him off the PUP right now. 
Yeah, I, Nick, I don't really know the background on this specific case, but the, you know, I know a lot of fans like to talk about like, well, why didn't they just leave him on pup? Then they could still. Well, there's two sides of this coin. There's also the players' side, and That's you know, point. Lamar, you know, Lamar Miller wants to. He probably wants to play, and he probably wants to get paid like per game roster bonuses. So you can yeah. get into a situation where, say, the team. I'm sure the Patriots would have been happy if he stayed on pup for a half a season. And he would have gotten paid, but you know, you know, maybe Lamar Miller's chomping at the bit, and all of a sudden, if the Patriots don't, and basically the rule is, you come off pup as soon as you pass your physical. Yeah. And so, if Lamar Miller's agent and Lamar Miller thought that he was healthy enough to pass his physical, they could file a grievance with the league, and it could get messy. And so, it's the the Patriots don't really have the ultimate choice. Really, the ultimate choice is with the player. And yeah. he must have he must have felt ready to go. And, and um, you know, so it was a little bit of a surprise. But I do think it – I think it complicates things at, at, as far as roster cut down. Because now Damian Harris is down for a week or two. Now what do you yeah. do? Do you keep Lamar Miller? And that, that acts as somebody else at another position. This well, is when what you're going to be talking about behind the scenes. When you look at your 53, I mean, the ultimate question is for Lamar Miller, does he have a spot? Does he have a place on this team right now? On my final 53, which I just finished, and I'll be right enough for BSJ, I do not have them on the team. I have yeah, four got, running backs on the team. Yep. I have Sony, James White, Harris, Burkhead as the four running backs. My hope, and this will also be something that we'll probably talk about at some point, my hope is that veterans like, say, Brian Hoyer at quarterback, which I ultimately decided to release him to steal a spot, um, for others on the roster that Brian Hoyer, Lamar Miller, maybe some other veterans agree to come back on the practice squad. I protect them every week. And then all of a sudden you have a built-in taxi squad. They're going to, they're going to have to do a lot of selling. I think, I think teams across the league with these new rules with the COVID, they're going to have to do a lot of selling where they come to these players. And they say, look, I know, I know this hurts right now. I know you probably thought you earned a spot and you probably did but this is a numbers game right now. And we want yep. to park you on the practice squad because we're going to need you. We, it, it's just one of those years. Yeah. And you know, the, the COVID circumstances, the quarterback thing is very interesting. We've heard guys like Bruce Arians and others talk about maybe quarantining a quarterback just in case, because the quarterback room guys are close to each other. You don't know how COVID is going to affect it. Now with all of that said, Greg, the evidence in front of us right now is that the NFL is doing a great job with COVID. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a big issue, but then of course we don't have guys traveling yet. We don't have guys playing 60 minute games going against each other at the opposition. The first college football game from over the weekend, there were no positives after the, after the first game, which is a nice step to see in a progression, but I don't think we know what's going to happen. And then you have the flu season with the fall. So I still don't think you're out of the woods with that. And it'd be yep. fascinating to see if they do actually put Brian Hoyer uh, out there to pasture, so to speak, and, and hope that he lands on the practice squad. Because now you're looking at Cam, who has the injury history, and Stidham, who was dealing with an injury just going back a few days ago. Yeah, it is. It's it's going to be a similar situation in when they they were last year, where they were probably confident that nobody was going to claim Brian Hoyer or sign him, and then all of a sudden the Colts came out of nowhere. You know, part of it had to do with the Andrew Luck thing. I don't think – and, you know, you know what's helping in this situation, 
with a Brian Hoyer, uh, as opposed to years prior, is that there have been no preseason games. So there haven't been any injuries at quarterback across the league. We're normally, um, you know, we've lost about, you know, four or five quarterbacks by now, or, you know, at least backup quarterbacks and things like that in preseason games. And so if there was any chance where somebody was not going to sign Brian Hoyer and they could get him back on the practice squad and sell that to him, this would be the year. I don't think there's a Colts team out there, you know, hawking him. But the X factor is if you're the Buffalo Bills, and if I were the Buffalo Bills, I would absolutely sign Brian Hoyer just to screw with the Patriots and, and hurt their chances. I would. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a great call. It's a fair point. No doubt. If you're Sean McDermott, you're thinking about it. Uh, Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles here. The second episode of our podcast venture. Uh, we'll get to bet us in, in a couple of minutes, Greg. Um, but I do want to ask one more thing before we move on to the bigger picture of the team and, and maybe where you think they, they fall into the, you know, slot as far as the AFC with a lot of predictions coming out over the last couple of days on various websites, power rankings and such. Uh, Where do you think the running back position goes from here? Like, how do you have it? How do you have it falling? Like, do you think, hey, Harris comes back if he's healthy, he is right back to being the number one? Or is it going to be now Michelle's job to lose once again because of the Harris injury? Well, I think I think what happens is obviously Sony is the the starter to start the year, and he has a chance to you know maybe put some distance on on Damian Harris and all that. But I think I think it's 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 normally how it goes this time of year, which is Damian Harris will come back, he'll get some carries, and then it's a competitive situation where they sort of look at all right, who's the hot hand, who's doing better, and and I think. I think what happens is Sony's playing time is like this. Harris comes back. It sort of evens out. Yeah. And then they sort of make a choice. Who's our lead back? Who's not our lead back? That sort of thing. So um, it's definitely Sony's ball um, to start. He's going to have to keep it, though, because he's got actual real competition now. All right. I want Greg's thoughts on whether or not he thinks this team should be ranked higher than it's been ranked by a lot of different outlets, national, local, everywhere. A lot of people, again, putting out their power rankings and their, and their playoff teams and all of that. But before we get to that, let's get to BetUS, Greg. Uh, listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sport, sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. Have you gotten your bets down? Nick, you, uh, uh, I'm going to get my bets down as we get closer to the football I, season. I saw, I see your Celtics. Bets. You'll see, you got the Celtics shirt. And you, what do you, I saw that the Celtics for game three, I bet us are favorite. They're down. They, they're, they're underdogs by two points. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if Toronto wins game three. Uh, I thought it was going to be a six or seven game series. Wouldn't be surprised by that. But this, this t-shirt you're talking about that the people watching the uh, video version of the podcast yeah, it's my 2018 Celtics playoff T-shirt. <laughs> Protect the parquet, baby. Here it is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that's offering everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy pop bets, uh, prop bets, and futures. Call today at 1-800-79-BET-US. That's 1-800-79-BET-US. And they will walk through 
with you how to get started. Nobody industry in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now, mention Greg Bedard, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Sounds like a good go. deal to me. Now. Yeah, mention, mention the G-Man. Mention Greg Bedard. They'll love you. They'll say, oh, wait a and, minute. We got to give you a hell of a deal. And also Boston Sports Journal. That will also, uh, they'll also hook you up. There you go. BostonSportsJournal.com as always. All right, big picture here. You know, I, I've been seeing stuff, Greg, all over the interwebs the last few days about this team. Uh, you know, Bleacher Report ranking them, I think it was 19th as a staff in the NFL. You go back to the ESPN Football Power Index. They had the Patriots around 9 or 10 in the league as far as playoff hopes and overall ranking. Is this a playoff team? You, you pretty confident they're a playoff team? Or are you kind of wavering? What are you thinking going in here? Absolutely. I, 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 to me, there is little doubt that they are a playoff I'm team. With you. I'm with you 100%. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what – sure it's not you know it's not your older cousins patriots team uh, you know it's it's, <laughs> it's gonna look a lot different um but change can be good and and look at the look they have a great secondary yeah they have a they have a could be a great offensive line uh they should be able to run the ball i was actually texting with mike reese earlier today we were talking about some stuff and i said you know i said this team this team needs to rush for three thousand yards this year and, you know, the Ravens set the record, I think it was last year or two years ago, they set it at about 3,400 yards. I think if the Patriots get to the upper ranges of, you know, 2,800, 2,900, I think, I think they're on course to have a successful season. They are going to need to have the lead. They are going to need to play good defense. But you also have one of the best coaching staffs in the league. And, yep. yes, there's, there hasn't been a lot of continuity on offense. They're going to have to work so, through some things. But so is everybody else. I mean, everybody else is, is in the same bucket. And while I don't think Bill Belichick is infallible, he's pretty damn good at what he does. And I have a lot of confidence in what he does. Uh, there are two people I never bet against, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And Tom Brady's gone, but Belichick is still here. So I have a lot of confidence that and, – and also, Nick, the other thing is – you know, what do you think the division's going to do? Yes, Buffalo's going to be good. You know, we'll see how far Josh Allen can take him. I'd rather have Cam Newton over Josh Allen, but that's me. The, the Dolphins. That's me too. That's me too. <laughs> the Dolphins have had a ton of changes in their front seven and other places. Um, that's going to be a work in progress. The Jets are the Jets. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of confidence in Adam Gaze as the head coach. I like him as an offensive coordinator. So all of a sudden you combine the coaching staff with the strengths of this team. I mean, with that secondary, not a lot of teams are going to run away from the Patriots. So, yeah. you know, you get Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels into a close game, they're going to win more often than not. And if they, you know, 9-7, and 10-6 and six at least, you know, they're going to be in the ballpark. So I see them and with an extra playoff spot this year. So I, I would put my confidence at about 90 five percent that the Patriots are going to make the playoffs this year yeah I had this conversation with Andy Hart uh today and I think they're a playoff team my bottom of the barrel mark is just like yours nine win team I think that's the worst you will see I think they'll be around nine or ten wins everything falls into place everything goes perfect eh, 11 wins maybe but that's everything going perfectly pro football focus ranked this defense as the fourth best in the league this week I don't know if they're that good but they're really good their secondary is, I think, elite. So with that defense, with the run game, we talked about this in episode one, 
you know, they're going to play differently. This is not going to be the shootout Patriots. This is going to be a different brand of football. I don't hate it. Do what you have to do to win. I agree with you on the coaching staff. And you talked about the division. What about this conference? I mean, this conference, aside from Kansas City and Baltimore, the rest of the AFC, it's not great. Every single team, you can list at least one question, if not two or three, and especially at the quarterback position. So I just think there's lots and lots of questions. I do think people are underestimating this team just a little bit. Let's move on to the uh, Boston. One one more thing before uh, on that. Um, Do people forget what the Titans did last year? I mean, the Titans came in here. They made a run. (laughs) They came in here, ran the Patriots and Tom Brady, you know, off their own home field, went to Kansas City, had a lead, uh, if I remember correctly, and and then the Chiefs went on their run like they did against the Texans. Also, but you're talking about Ryan Tannehill. They, the Titans have a good offensive line. How many weapons can you name on the Tennessee Titans last year? How many defenders? They, they certainly did not have the secondary that the Patriots did. And Mike Vrabel's pretty damn good, but he ain't Bill Belichick, and their offensive coordinator isn't Josh McDaniels either. So, you know, it, it basically I think, I think the Titans are sort of the blueprint for what the Patriots can do and play bully ball and 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 keep the, the the scores close and sort of grind games out and that's that's the formula and I think they're ahead of the game than where the Titans were a year ago. Yeah, I mean the Titans had AJ Brown, which would be the one thing that the stud number one guy who could have explosive plays. But I agree with you. Overall, you look at the team very very similar, which is why I think the Patriots were interested in Leonard Fournette or at least placed a phone call because mm-hmm. again that. The idea of downhill with Cam pounding defenses, of course, he went to Tampa. Let's look at uh, some quickly, uh, quickly we'll look at some changes that you have to your 53. We talked about uh, Brian Hoyer, Lamar Miller, possibly released, hopefully signed to the practice squad uh, receiver. You've got Jacoby Myers for Sanu, and you have Jeff Thomas being waived. Why is it Myers? Yeah, I just think that He's just steady. He knows the offense. Jeff Thomas is a guy who hasn't been on the practice field a ton this summer. Um, So it's already going to be uphill for him. Um, And I just think that, I think that Myers with what he did last year is more consistent. He can build off that. Uh, He's a little bit more of a known commodity. And I think they need that in the receivers. And I think, yeah, you know, it's going to be a risk waving Jeff Thomas, you know, in his speed. But then again, you know, nobody drafted him. Uh, nobody, nobody else signed him. I don't think he got a huge bonus from the Patriots. So the interest wasn't great. And so, you know, the hope is you get him to come back, you sign him to the practice squad and develop him. And, you know, I think that's sort of the best place for him because they, they, there aren't any padded roster spots this year. Yeah. People know that you're one of the best talking about offensive line play because not a lot of people actually want to do the work and look at the offensive line and all that. It does stick out to me that you're keeping Kajusti and you're getting rid of Cunningham. I've, I've read a lot of good stuff about Cunningham and how he could yeah. be the swing tackle. Why are you going with uh, Kajusti here instead? Yeah, I, that, that, that was another sort of coin flip for me. Um, I just think that Kajust was, you know, he was a third round pick last year. He was hurt all last yep. year. He got off to a really rough start in training camp, but I did see some flashes and he looked, uh, Nick, I'm telling you, he looks the part. He looks he looks like a future uh, tackle and including with possibly left tackle ability. Corey Cunningham's done a really nice job this year. He got off to a fast start and sort of slumped. 
Um, so it's, it's a coin flip for me and, and it's sort of guesswork because um, we haven't seen the last week of camp and really that's, that would probably determine it, but I'm just going to go with the last visions that I saw was Kajus sort of going up, Cunningham going down. I, you know, I want to see if I get a little bang for that third round pick and you know, if worse comes to worse, if there is an injury at tackle, um, you know, I do have Joe Tooney that I can, can move out there. I could yeah, sign yeah. a veteran tackle. I have options. I just, you know, I, I'm just going with the youth and, and sort of uh, the upside of Kajuice to keep on the roster. All right, one last one before we get to our bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Uh, you are not trading Joan Williams. You are keeping him over Terrence Brooks. And Terrence Brooks, I think we had this discussion, episode yeah. one, you're not wavering. I, I've read a lot of good things about Brooks, but you're not sold he makes this team. Yeah, you know, I keep, that's the, the, it, this is another position. And you get down to like these last three or four spots and it's almost a coin flip. And there's a lot of things that we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I really like Terrence Brooks. I want him around. I would like him on this team. And, but it is a, it's, it's a pretty big shock if you've been out at practice this year that I have him off the, my final 53, because he, he was a starter. You, know, well, I, you didn't hear me say that, but he was, he was on the field uh, the whole time uh, with other guys who play a lot on this team. Um, yep. So if you just watch practice, you'd be like, well, that guy's on the team. But yeah. Belichick does these sort of things, and Calhoun could be another guy that's like that. I just think – I decided at the end of the day, Adrian Phillips wasn't on the, on the field. Maybe the Patriots were hiding him a little bit, not quite to the, the Moss uh, stature of uh, 2007 when he, he didn't practice very much. Right. Um, but I just think they signed – here's my rationale, Nick. They signed Adrian Phillips for a reason in the offseason. I think this was, this was way before Chung opted out. And they saw him as an upgrade over somebody. And I yeah. think it was Terrence Brooks. And I think they're going to stick with that. And also, I like Juwan Williams. I like his versatility. He's a swing. I'm only keeping five cornerbacks, I think. And so if there is an injury there, Williams covers you. He can go over to cornerback. He can do that. Plus, he can cover tight ends, big, tall receivers, tight ends, uh, where other guys can't really do that. For So for that reason, I'm keeping Juwan Williams. And the guy I'm releasing – is Terrence Brooks. I, I just want to keep Adrian Phillips. I want to see what he can do in this defense. Yeah, the cornerbacks you mentioned, you've got Gilmore, Jones, Jackson, McCordy, and Bethel. And then uh, cut is Ross, Jackson, and Bryant. All right, let's get to the bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ for 11 cents a day on our annual plan. You have access to Greg, Sean McAdam, Brian Robb, Connor Ryan, Dr. Jessica Flynn, and many more to come. Boston sports coverage the way you remember it. No clickbait, no BS, no politics, just straight top-notch analysis of your teams from a team and company that is all, and they mean all, New England. Uh, let's talk about Don Ibod's question here, Greg. A good discussion point uh, here, no doubt. Is this the worst trade for a veteran that we've seen with this Sanu deal? Okay. Well, Nick, let me – you're – more of a Patriots fanboy than I am. So maybe there's, a couple, <laughs> maybe there's a couple, what, what do you think of the candidates now when I, and I I'll give you my answer. And I will say that I borrowed uh, from uncle Jerry Thornton over uh, our buddy over nice. at Barstool because he did nice. do this. And I did look at his list because uh, you know, of course he's written books on the Patriots and things like that. Uh, what's your vote? <sighs> 
I don't know how, I don't know how, I'll, I'll just read you off uh, J- what Jerry has as sort of his list. Okay. He has, let's see. He Unfortunately, has, there's a few to choose from. Garoppolo for, Garoppolo for a second rounder. I think that's definitely on the list. Chandler Jones for second round pick and Jonathan Cooper. I didn't have a problem with that one because they weren't going to sign Chandler Jones to a big money deal. So they had to get something yeah. and they got a second. So, you know, that's good. Seymour for a first round pick. I think that's good value. I, I mean, I don't fine. have a problem. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's uh, fine. A fifth and a sixth for, Ch- uh, for Chad Ochocinco. I don't really care. Six, I mean, he whatever. didn't. A lottery ticket. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll skip over my winner. Uh, third and third and a swap of fifths for Dwayne Starks. I don't even remember Dwayne Starks. I don't, um, I don't either. Secondary. <laughs> guy, right? uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dion Branch for a first round pick. You could That's make that argument. Problem. You could make the argument, but I mean, I think if you can trade a receiver for a number one pick, if that receiver is not like a top 10 guy in the league, then I can't really go crazy about the value. It's the fact that they never really replaced Branch uh, when, when they moved on from him, right? Right, right away. Yeah, so. that, that was the thing. Yeah. And so yeah. they didn't have a good plan behind that. Uh, and Jerry's winner was a fifth for Albert Hainsworth. And we all know Hainsworth was terrible when he was here and he basically yeah, I just I don't I don't lose my mind if you talk about no. like fifth round picks sixth round picks no. seventh round picks out of the ones that you named I would probably say this Sanu one's pretty bad because they were up against yeah. it with Jimmy G that they had to I think they had to deal Garoppolo because of the spot that Brady put them in by defying age for so long so could they have gotten a little bit more I don't know maybe supply demand but where they were, I mean, I think the biggest beef about the Garoppolo trade was if you pulled the trigger in the preseason, then would you have received more than what you got? Because San right. Francisco knew they had the leverage at that point. That, that's, that's the biggest question about that deal. Yeah, we could go deep on the Jimmy G deal oh, um, at we some could. point. But, um, you know, I, I think the only other one that approaches this for me is Logan Mankins for Tim Wright in a fourth-round pick. And yeah, that's the, the, only, the only way you can defend Belichick in this deal is that they went on to win the Super Bowl that year despite making the pick. But I just thought – I didn't think they got enough for Logan Mankins. But I think, to me, I think that this new deal was worse than all of them. I just think it's yeah. – it was, it was that bad. They got, they got nothing. They wasted, they wasted a second-round pick for eight games. And you don't have – you would have four years of control for a wider – I mean – and what's funny, as I listened to the audio from the Felger and Maz uh, discussion that we had on that, and, and, and I said, I said, you're giving up a second-round pick for this guy? Like, you can't find a receiver in the draft that you can <laughs> that can give you more than what Sanu's going to give? So, yeah. you know, I guess I was right at the time, but it is what it is. I, I thought it was an overpay. I didn't hate it as much as other people. I thought Sanu would bring something to the team, but, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back at that deal – that was awful. But, hey, listen, the Sanu deal was awful. They release him. The Harris injury, not great news. But both Greg and I, we believe this team is a playoff team. Uh, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. It is, of course, sponsored by BetUS. Support Boston Sports Journal by calling 1-800-79-BETUS and get set up today. Be sure to tell them that Boston Sports Journal sent you. Greg, it's been a great time, man. Look forward to uh, – the third podcast of this venture, and we'll actually be talking about football and a matchup. Yes, we we'll will. Be the Miami Dolphins, Miami, traveling to Gillette Stadium. Until next time, thanks, Greg, and we'll catch up with you. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattle.